0: Welcome to Wood Talk for Woodworkers by Woodworkers. Now, here are three guys who take big pieces of wood and make them smaller Mark, Matt, and Shannon.
1: Oh, yeah. Welcome to Wood Talk number 141 for July 24th, 2013. On today's show, we're talking about preparing your tools for a move, using dangerous chemicals for finishing, carving gouge bevels, the roller trick on bevel up planes, factory certifications, and cutting teeny tiny mortises. Uh, But before we get to all that good stuff, let's hear a word from our sponsors. Today's show is supported by Festool, helping woodworkers get better results in less time and with less mess to clean up afterwards. Visit them online at festoolusa.com. And by SawStop. SawStop is North America's number one cabinet saw and the world's safest table saw. Visit sawstop.com slash 175 to learn more about the professional cabinet saw model that Matt chose for his basement workshop. Then click on Find a Dealer to see the saw in action near you. And by Audible.com, the internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 100,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals. For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com slash woodtalk. I
0: I still want to remind people every time I hear that um, you can't have my table saw. (laughs) That's good. (laughs) You you should clarify. Similar. Yeah, we should be a little bit more clear. It it will probably be a little bit more expensive because, after all, I have used it. But
1: (laughs) I like that idea. So call this number to borrow Matt's (laughs) actual table table saw. (laughs) He will handle it. Matt, there's
0: some people at the door and they want your table saw. (laughs) What? Wait, mine, mine. (laughs) All right. Well, let's
1: move into what's on the bench. I'll jump in first. I was doing that outdoor table last week and I was really hoping to get this thing just banged out in like two days, three days at the most and then just the the, the plague moved through the house and <laughs> Nicole's got walking pneumonia and the, the boy's got uh, both ears are infected, you know, he's got ear infections and he's getting over a cold and it was just an absolute... Flem covered mess everywhere and thankfully I actually somehow did not get sick. Uh, but there was just no way I can get any work done. So I got like one day's worth of work, got some legs glued up and then had to put it on pause because I needed to move to the next project for the guild which is the uh, Greening Green Blanket Chest. So I did start that project and you know, I don't know if the material you guys get in Shannon, what you guys stock, uh, it's interesting to me, like some four quarter rough stock is just barely over three quarters of an inch. You know, and you're lucky to get all the curvature mm-hmm. out of the board by the time you're actually at the the three quarter of an inch figure. Um, this stuff that I got from uh, Spellman here locally in Phoenix, it's well over an inch in thickness in its rough state. Uh, and in fact, I got some five quarter for this project as well, but the dimension I need that stuff to get to, I'm like, wow, i I could have actually just used this four quarter stock uh, to get to that wooden. like.
2: Inch and an eighth. Well, like inch,
1: rough. yeah, inch. Well, it's about inch and an eighth, and the stuff I needed for my five quarter. Uh, what we estimated you would need is about an inch and sixteenth finished, and I could totally hit that with this four quarter stock. So. Um, very pleased with it when, when material comes that that extra thick. And I think we may have talked about this at one point that you don't necessarily always have to go down to three quarters of an inch. Um, the joy of this is if you get material that is super thick like that, go ahead and take advantage of it. You can go thicker just because you've got it. Why not, right?
0: Heck yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I was I,
1: really, I really pleased. I think in
2: general, that's the sign of a good sawmill.
0: <clears throat>
2: um, okay. Most of the, I know most of the stuff that we stock is, is heavy of one inch. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be tough to get a finished one inch thickness out of it just by using like commercial planing methods where you crank the planer down and like remove yeah. buttloads of material in one pass. Um, but anytime we get material that is like one inch or, or 15, 16 thick in the rough, mm-hmm. we generally don't order from that sawmill again. It's just, it's somebody that's cutting corners basically, yeah. Yeah. literally.
0: Cutting corners. Nice. One long corner right across the face. There you go. There
1: you go. So that's about it for me. How about you, Matt?
0: Well, the big thing for me is I I, I posted a little something earlier on Facebook even that I discovered last night the bench grinder that I have. And I have to say it's not the bench grinder's fault. It's like 40 years old, 50 years old, something like that. (laughs) Uh, I inherited it from my grandfather. In other words, I went in his garage when he wasn't looking and I stole it years and years ago. (laughs) It just is not cutting it for me. And I don't mean like actually cutting the metal. I mean, it just, the performance of it is, eh, it's all right. But the versatility, I mean, I I can't even get in there on the tool rest really to be able to get even my smallest chisel in a position where I can get a decent bevel off of it. And the way I finally really put two and two together was last night I was working on my skew chisel for my, my lathe because another long story, I I messed up something. So I needed to regrind the uh, bevels on it and trying to get that in there was just it was the most painful thing I have ever done <laughs> so I finally was able to kind of get it roughed out a little bit get it better than it was and then I came back into the shop and I broke out my TorMac and spent many a long I won't say hours but hour trying to finish getting it ground to the uh the final bevel that I needed for it, it turned out fine perfectly good works great but it's just this grinder it's got to go. I just I don't want to deal with this anymore. So
1: is it is it the grinder itself or is it just the the mechanism that you're like the tool rest that you're
0: using? It's a combination of everything. Okay. Unfortunately, it's a it's a smaller six inch grinder. Number mm-hmm. one, so it's it, I think it was a, kind of a little bit too small for the size of uh, the skewches I, w- I was working with. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though I brought it right to the edge of the uh, the workbench that I had set up in there, uh, then. Uh, around the actual stone itself is this shroud that. Oh to me yeah. I've seen looked, things like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it, the shroud like takes up like you know ninety percent. <laughs> there's like this little bit of stone that <laughs> actually ninety ninety percent is totally wrong. It's eighty percent, so you can't really get in there. Taking the shroud off is a huge pain on its own. <laughs> there's this, of course, there's the safety device. You know, you've got a nice little uh, uh, shield that comes down. Uh, That doesn't really come off very easily and it doesn't flip out of the way very nicely. And the tool guard, the the tool rest itself, um, I have it lowered as low as it will go. And I have it kind of pulled forward a little bit. And no matter how much I tried to play with that, Mm -hmm. it's in the absolute worst position to kind of get any type of angle onto this uh, stone. Well, see, that's that's a perfect
1: safety device because if you can't use the tool, then you certainly can't be hurt by it. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Yeah,
2: Yeah, I think my grandfather had the exact same grinder. I I can picture it in my head. It was just like... Had this huge shroud over it, and it was it was like, "What is the purpose of this?"
0: Wow. Yeah, it, it does nothing but get in the way, and it, it causes just a whole bunch of grief. The other thing that I should notice is, as soon as I turn it on, I suddenly hear the rest of the family groan because, like, all the lights and the TV apparently like <laughs> dies down, and then when it gets up to speed, all the power goes right back up. So that might be another sign that maybe this one probably shouldn't be in the shop. <laughs> mm, nice. So, but that's about, you know, Shannon on here, you, you, you make pretty wood. Is that what it says? <laughs>
2: yeah. I'm, um, uh, I've got my, my second pole lathe done and I'm just practicing and it occurred to me, I'm just making really, really pretty firewood right now. <laughs> yes. You know, I've, you know, I've got a, I've been trying to work with as much green wood as I can cause it's certainly easier, but I've got some turning blanks, some regular kiln dried stuff in the stock that. I don't know if you guys are in this situation, but you know, like you've got this, this piece of wood in the shop that you know, you probably will never use it for an actual project, Mm -hmm. but it's like, well, I might be able to use it for a jig or, you know, I need a push stick or something like that. Right. And so I've just been chucking them up on the lathe and, and just practicing, kind of getting the feel for the reciprocal pole lathe action. And I've got this like enormous stack, probably 30, like two by two by 18 inch long blanks with. Various beads and coves and vase shapes and things like that on it. It's like, <laughs> we are going to have the prettiest damn fireplace when, <laughs> once, once it gets cold around here. People Dude. are going to come to our house and just ooh and ah over the shape of our firewood.
0: <laughs> there was Shannon, throw this one
1: in.
2: Ooh, look at this one. Ooh, <laughs> look at how the flames, flames curl around that.
1: Uh, back back okay. when I worked at this uh, this one refinishing shop, we'd occasionally take on actual like new projects. And there was a customer that came in that just wanted this weird look. I don't know if it's a popular thing amongst people who buy this stuff but she wanted us to get as many old like styles and furniture parts and things as we could and cut them in half and glue them to the side of the cabinet that we were making for her just to give it this old I don't know, TGI Fridays ish. Like a
2: quilter or something. (laughs) Like, I don't know. Cracker barrel wall. Yeah,
1: cracker barrel wall. I don't know what she's going for, but uh, that's what it makes me think. You've got all these random spindles. Just cut them in half and glue them to something in the house. It'll look great. That's like um,
2: (laughs) at the the All Star Baseball game when the pitcher, Mariano Rivera, is retiring. They gave him a chair made out of broken baseball bats. There you go. Which (laughs) looked cool, but at the same time, it was like literally shattered and splintered baseball bats with no attempt to make them not pointy. Right.
1: So. Nice. It's like Game of Thrones
0: yeah, with baseball bats. Very nice. <laughs> that
1: sounds cool. All right. Uh, let's move into what's new. We've got some links and, and stuff from around the web. Matt, did you want to sing a song for us? I sure
0: do. In honor of this, this new uh, title that we're going to go with, I, I, I couldn't <laughs> help it. It's like, what's new, woodworking cat? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wow. Hey, what's new, woodworking cat? Whoa, <laughs> whoa, whoa. And now if Tom Jones isn't dead, nope. he's going to die from that. <laughs> I, I think you should
2: just keep going,
0: man.
2: I, I was going to. Like he's but, um, hoping we were going to jump in and stop him, but no, well, I'm just going to let this roll. I, I think that's
1: what I was trying to do, too. Just let it go <laughs> as uncomfortably long as possible. Seriously.
0: Oh, in that case, How long will I, I'll, he- I'll sing the rest of it. We can splice that in later.
1: <laughs> and you know, after our, uh, this is coming hot off of our previous uh, entry into the music world where we sang happy birthday to someone. I think that's was what was that last episode or the one before, but uh, it was good. I don't know I blocked it out. It was good stuff.
0: I, I yeah, I did get a request that that never ever 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 <laughs> happened again. again, and that was just simply for my family listening upstairs <laughs> while it was happening.
1: Nice. All right, so we've got a couple news items here. Um, wanted to mention that Festool. I don't know if you remember this, but I think it was last year they came out with their CarveX jigsaw and had to pull it for whatever reason. But the real deal now, the CarveX jigsaw is coming out on September first, twenty thirteen and this thing, like I realize it's just a jigsaw, but it's totally not just a jigsaw. Um, You gotta watch the video. We'll put the YouTube video up there for you. Um, They've got cordless models with exchangeable bases. You've got soft bases, metal bases, plastic bases, Um, these little corrugated sort of bases that uh, reduce the surface area to make it slide over rough material. Um, All kinds of great options for angle settings and tear out free cuts. Um, And also brushless motors, which is a first on jigsaws. So very awesome. Of course it's Festool, so it's going to be expensive, but um, yeah, just check it out. It's fun to watch if you love tools. Uh, Mm -mm. Got another one here for AWFS. Anybody in the Vegas area, if you haven't already registered, you probably should go to this tool show. This is the big uh, every other year tool show in Vegas and it starts today actually and goes till July 27th. So Actually, somebody, wasn't at the. Somebody from
2: my company is actually there right now looking to buy a molder.
1: Oh, there you go. I'm
2: so wanted to go just to be able to go to those like ginormous <laughs> machine booths and the say, machine, yeah, I'll take one of those.
1: Yeah, the machines <laughs> where they like uh, feed in a piece of plywood on one end and chairs poop out on the other end. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> those are great. Um, all right. Speaking of conventions, Fine Woodworking Live is coming up before you know it, August 8th through 11th in New Haven, Connecticut. And you can find out more about that at finewoodworkinglive.com. Um, and we know the guys from Modern Woodworkers Association are going to be there, and in fact, they wanted us to share a link with you. If you go to modernwoodworkersassociation.com right now, the latest post is referencing their attempt to kick some butt in the Friday night build-off, and it's going to be a building competition, and they're putting together just a bunch of Modern Woodworkers Association teams, so if you want to help out and you happen to be going to the event, definitely uh, get in touch with those guys at the Modern Woodworkers Association, and they will hook you up and set you up with a team which sounds like it's going to be a blast. Friday night,
0: that just sounds like a dangerous night at any woodworking convention to have something yeah. where you have to build it, you Drink, know, especially drinking. if there's tools involved.
1: Yeah, seriously. Well, get video because we want to see it. <laughs> so, All right, who got the the Mary May link in here? Uh, this one's me. <clears throat> Talked about Mary
2: May's carving, online carving school before. Mm-hmm. She made a pretty bold move in the last couple of days, and she's got a, a category on there that's beginning carving videos. I think there's about 12 of them. And then some kind of intro to sharpening videos. She's made them all free,
0: awesome. so
2: um, oh, you do have to register, oh. um, like your guest member or whatever. Oh. But you it's get them all for free. And I'll be honest, I haven't watched too many of the advanced carving videos. Mm-hmm. I just keep going back and watching like these twelve videos, and they're just they're just outstanding. So she's kind of removed another barrier to entry for people who want to learn how to carve, and she's just made. Essentially, an intro course available online, totally free. That's so, so
1: awesome! And she's yeah. she's good. She's really good. No,
2: she's a really, really good teacher too. Yeah,
0: that makes me really mad because you know that was my excuse for not getting into carving, and now <laughs> that excuse is just blown out of the water. You so could, you that, that, I'm gonna write it. her an angry email. There you go.
1: You're ma- she's making it too
0: easy. It is. That's <laughs> not right. That's not fair for those <laughs> of us who want to procrastinate. Right. So hey well I've got this next one the guys over at Centipede Tool I don't know if you're familiar with them they came out with this new uh, Centipede Sawhorse just for transparency they are a uh, not only a sponsor on Matt's Basement Workshop but they're actually a couple of friends of mine uh, and they just announced that they finally reached enough of the funding which if you look at the uh, campaign they have going on, it's it, the funding looks like it's way, way, way under what they were asking for, but it happens to be the right amount that they can guarantee initial orders of their new sawhorses are going to go into pr- production. In fact, they stated whether or not we hit our published target, we are already way, are, are, are underway to funding the first production run. Cool. So I am hoping that one of those first production runs will end up in my shop. I could have really used something like this the mm-hmm. other day.
1: Well, building your bench, I can imagine this will come in handy too. Yeah.
0: Oh, definitely. Maybe I'll just use this.
1: There you go. Yeah, it just
2: looks like it would be fun to kind of open and close and open and close. It's stretchy. Yeah,
1: yeah. it's like oh, those this, like oh. little
0: geode balls they used to sell <laughs> right. in Discovery stores. Yeah,
1: compress them and then
0: spread them out. They're great. wonder if we just turn awesome. into a giant accordion, that'd be cool. Mm-hmm. To play with that. So, anyways, though, uh, hey, the next one. Uh, Dan sent this in, and he says, "I found this site that might just blow your minds and make you rethink the definition of a workbench." And this is a multifunction toolbox. In fact, it's the uh, kind of along the lines of the Festool toolbox. I don't know exactly what it looks like. Apparently, this individual at this blog created a full-on functional router table out of one of those MFTs. So. That's wild. I mean, it is actually wild. I mean, it's very small
1: because this has to fit into the standard like sustainer footprint, Mm -hmm. but it's amazing what what this person did with sustainers and using them as a router table and then, you know, mounting the jigsaw in there and using it to be able to cut, I guess kind of like a scroll saw-ish type action. It's wild. You got to check it out. And I think for people who are in small shops and and who like to just get really creative with the stuff they do, you've got to check it out. Yeah, yeah, it this is it is uh, looks really guys nice. in
2: Belgium, I think. And anytime well, you look right at there. woodworking blogs from Europe, it's always interesting because they, I mean, mm-hmm. let's just face it, they have tiny little shops. Yep, They, they don't be, have uh, the luxury that we have over in the States of basements and garages and things like that. So true I always get really cool ideas by looking at European woodworking blogs.
1: Yeah, true. Cool. Your uh
2: Let's see. I've got uh, just a, a post that I read that I just found awesome. <clears throat> John Ikanamaki, the... President, founder, whatever, Bridge City Toolworks, taught a class at Mark Adams a while ago, and he made this, I think it technically was a chessboard. And if you've ever seen John's work, it's kind of mind-blowing. It's just crazy. And now that he's developed the Joint Maker Pro and the precision in his tools, the stuff he comes up with is just ridiculous. And he posted a picture months ago of this, what he calls a fog-of-war board. Um, And it's just like, holy cow, how is that even possible? Well, today or... Yesterday or something like that, he posted like a how-to pictorial post, and it just—it's just awesome. Mm -hmm. It's the the level of precision that he's shooting for, and the size of the parts that he works with. It reminds me of like you know master Japanese shoji makers with tiny little parts that all fit together in this thing. And it's just—it's a beautiful project. You just—I can't even describe it. Just go look at it. Yeah, it's awesome.
1: It's very cool, and the stuff they do. A lot of people. Look at that, and you go, "Well, it's it's a table with a a saw. I could make that with you know fifty dollars worth of stuff and and do." I don't know. I mean, some of this stuff is set up for for (laughs) such high levels of precision that I I can't even wrap my brain around it.
2: Right. To give you an example, John doesn't talk in fractions. He talks in decimal numbers, Mm -hmm. in generally three places past the decimal point. Hey, that's just his like normal (laughs) for him. Oh yeah, well I thickness these to point oh one three. You're like, what?
0: And you know he's talking down to you when he takes it only to the third decimal. <laughs> right. right.
1: And, and I mean and you know to be clear this is of of mostly I guess you could say academic interest to to woodworkers in terms of actual practical use we don't need to worry about that level but it's cool when someone really geeks out on it and does jump to that level. Right.
2: Well I think that's what's interesting about I mean John John has a has developed a wood dust allergy and I think that's one of his driving factors for the joint maker pro mm. it's something he loves woodworking but he can't do it anymore because he developed that allergy this allows him to do it and it it kind of reminds me of like the whole like scroll sawer world where you you get these guys that can't really do much woodworking anymore for whatever reason whether they've gotten old or whatever developed an allergy but they can always just sit down on the scroll saw and make like you know the the woodworking cross stitch equivalent, basically. Yeah, yeah. That Ornaments hangs on the wall, right? And and you know it's like, well, the joint maker is so much more than that. But you also can see how the joint maker could be really cool for someone like that. Sure. You know, that could actually make a lot more. I mean, the precision on this is just ridiculous.
1: Mm-mm-mm. Awesome. Good,
2: Good stuff.
0: Times. Sweet. Oh, hey, one more here. Uh, This came in from our good friend Tom Buell, who always sends us amazing stuff. He sent in in this link and says, for all of you overthinkers out there, Chris Schwartz lost our press blog from July 18, 2013. Quote, you might assume that I like one kind of bench over all others. That's not exactly true. My favorite kind of bench is the one that gets used. Ba-doom-doom. Oh, deep thoughts. Throwing by Chris it down. Schwarz.
1: Throwing it down. It's a good uh it's a good post. All the stuff from the French Oak build that are that's being posted on the various blogs is incredibly entertaining to read. That w- must have been an amazing time.
2: Yeah, definitely check out the benchcrafted blog just because Jamil, you can tell he's a a high def photo junkie. Yeah. Um cuz his he just I don't I can't even imagine what his his host thinks of him cuz he's always <laughs> uploading like the highest res photo available <laughs> right. even his videos are like you know they're they're beyond high def it's it's like retina quality images on there it's well worth looking at
1: he's gone 4k <laughs> <Here> we go <laughs> all right let's move into the poll of the week from our buddy Tom Iovino at tomsworkbench.com he asked this week what do you consider to be the heart of your workshop and I know traditionally, at least when I started woodworking, it was almost universally people would say the table saw. Mm -hmm. Um, These days, there's really been a a change of heart and I think a lot of people start to think of their workbench as the center of the shop and a lot of people are getting rid of their table saws, which is always interesting to hear. So uh, we did poll the public and let's see, we've got 54% saying the workbench. 35, still quite a high number, says the table saw. 7.2% say something else. Two percent say the bandsaw, and one percent say the router table. So, table actually saw changed
2: quite a bit since this morning because I voted this morning, and it was sixty-four percent on the workbench.
1: Because I, I actually just posted it this morning, so our Thanks. our traffic now just got into it. So the pre, uh, this morning it just represented um, Tom's website. So this is now mine in addition. Uh-huh. The East
2: coasters are workbench fiends. <laughs> that's what it is.
1: <laughs> but that's pretty cool. I mean, it's it's interesting to see that table saw is still well up there, but that workbench, at least in our crowds, has uh, clearly won that battle. Yeah.
2: I gotta admit, I was surprised. You know, yeah. I obviously knew what I was gonna vote for, but I, I figured I would be like third. On the workbench, yeah, yeah. I was a little surprised <laughs> to see that the workbench,
1: the hand you know. tools, uh, the influence is there. Even if you're not going, you know, whole hog hand tools. You know, even folks like me spend a good deal of their time at the workbench, even using power tools at the workbench. Um, right. If you have a good workbench, it's just going to be something you're going to gravitate to for all aspects of your project, all parts Heck of the project. yeah. Alright, well now's a good time to slip in a little commercial break. Uh, Just to let you know, the podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than a 100,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, featuring audio versions of many New York Times bestsellers. And for our listeners, Audible is offering a free audiobook to give you a chance to try out their service. Uh, You can do that at audiblepodcast.com slash woodtalk, and you can get a free audiobook, which is pretty awesome. Now, um, it may seem a little odd. You know, Audible.com is a new sponsor for us, but we talked about it as a group and we thought it was a great tie-in because as woodworkers, we're really uh, solitary. You know, we, we woodwork by ourselves. A lot of times you listen to music or maybe you listen to podcasts, but for me personally, one of the things I love to do is throw on a set of headphones and listen to a good book and uh, I don't know, I just like to have as much productive time as possible, and music is fine, um, but there's times where I just want, I want information coming in uh, into the brain there, and that's one great way to do it, even when I'm running uh, the tools, I'll have my headphones on, so um, a great thing, personally, I think, and uh, you know, you could even listen, if you're using one of the apps, you could listen at one and a half or two times speed, so these big, long, uh, eight-hour segments of books you could listen to in four hours, which is pretty cool.
2: I think it's interesting because, you know, just to be to- fully transparent, I mean, Audible approached us about a sponsorship and all three of us were immediately like, yeah, yeah. that makes sense. <laughs>
1: totally.
2: Um, I've, I've been an Audible member since Audible launched. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was telling these guys offline, I used to have an eight megabyte Rio MP3 player. <laughs> then I would have to break the books into like eight parts <laughs> to nice. download it nice. and listen. And you know, of course, now I've got the app on my iPhone and I've got like 12 full length books and that's just because I've deleted the other stuff. But it's, it's awesome. And I think it's interesting because, of course, I'm a hand tool guy, so I can listen to whatever while I work. But obviously, Mark is a heavy hybrid, but also i don't know i don't I don't want to lean you one way or the other, but are you going to say you got sexy? loud tools <laughs> uh, you have yeah. loud tools and yet you're still a, a book listener, so well, I you think, can always
1: uh pop the earbuds in and then I put the ear protection over the earbuds and just make sure i'm I'm not raising the volume any louder because I don't want to hurt my eardrums, but I have no problem listening to music or um you know books and stuff like that with the the ear protection on. Um, now, you know, Matt, you were not really much of an Audible user until recently, so you signed up just recently. And if you want, I guess, to kind of give them an idea of how easy it is to, to get started, go ahead and let them know what happened. Oh my gosh. It was
0: if you have an existing Amazon.com account, and I think a lot of you do. <laughs> oh my gosh. It, sorry. Oh my god. Oh my gosh. Awesome.
1: <laughs> I'm so excited about this. Oh my god.
0: I am. I, well, I've been listening today. It's funny because I, I I took the big plunge and didn't just sign up for the membership. I, I went ahead and I, I got a book. In fact, my first book. Um I wanted something that was gonna last. I was thinking this is the perfect opportunity. Have you ever noticed how many books are out there, like 37 hours, 40 hours long? (laughs) It's like the perfect length in between episodes of Wood Talk Online. Let's get serious. There you go. So so you can listen to that and then be like, oh, I'm going to take a break and listen to Wood Talk. And now I'm going to go back to my book. So I ended up getting the first book in Game of Thrones. Even though I've watched all the episodes, Mm -hmm. uh, I decided I want to have all the things that fill in there but it was really super simple not to get too excited about it but it we just went to amazon Settle down, Matt. Settle if you have down. your amazon account you just sign in by that and you are up and running i think it took me longer to pick the book than it actually did to uh, sign up for the account yeah. which is really scary
1: yeah, it's good. And uh, let's make a quick book recommendation, Matt. I'm assuming you're going to recommend uh, The Game of Thrones, book one? Uh, yeah, I think I'll go with that one, this, okay. one, this
0: time. George Just R. R. Martin,
1: time. very good stuff. Um, I'm reading right now the Mistborn series. I'm on the third book, but I'll make my recommendation as uh, the first book in the series, Mistborn, The Final Empire. Good fantasy. If you like metals and metallurgy, <laughs> this is for some <laughs> reason going to, it's going to float your boat. Uh, but it is uh, sort of high fantasy in a way. Um, uh, Um, Shannon, how about you?
2: I'm actually actually reading The Long War right now which is book two of the Long Earth series so Mm. I'm going to recommend The Long Earth by Stephen Baxter and Terry Pratchett and I think it's awesome for woodworkers because it's based around the principle of kind of the multiverse principle you can go to a whole other dimension but you can't take technology or metals with you Mm. so it's kind of like the colonial movement in today's world and there's actually a surprising amount of detail when it comes to like building new homes and log cabins and smelting your own iron and stuff. So if you're kind of into that, um, there's a, a crazy amount of detail. And I know listening to it, I'm like, dude, woodworkers would be mm-hmm. so valuable then because <laughs> all these people that have grown up, you know, with modern technology and suddenly they, they can't they can't do it anymore. Yeah. So it's a very cool book.
1: Very wow. nice. All right, well, let's move into our email section. We've got quite a few to burn through here, so let's get started. The first one is from Wes. He says, I'm in the military, and with that comes moving every couple of years. I recently got a great deal on a cabinet table saw. What can I do before the movers come come to pack up my stuff to prepare my tools for moving? I was thinking removing the wings from the table saw. Other things that come to mind like removing the belt from the motor and possibly bracing the motor somehow. All right, well, I wrote Wes back and explained to him that I've moved my shop a number of times. You and have? yes, I have, and it was not fun. And you know the thing is when you have a bunch of tools to prepare, you know, you can't necessarily get everything done perfectly. You just do the best you can, and if it's just a quick like cross-town move, which is what I had to to deal with, I didn't really have to do that much crazy stuff to the tools to get them ready. I did take the wings off of the table saw. Uh, after seeing these guys move the table saw with the extension wings attached, I decided that would never happen again. <laughs> and uh, you really want to get it to a compact level because you know these most of these guys, if you're just using regular movers, they've got dollies and a couple of hand trucks and it's going to be very difficult for them to move these pieces unless you do some work ahead of time. Um, I think his idea about removing the belt and bracing the motors just to take the weight off of it is great because that's kind of what they do in shipping. They'll put the the foam underneath motors and things like that so they don't bang around. That's a fantastic idea if you can can do that. Um, Other than that, I mean it's really coming down to remove the stuff that hangs out that could bend or break or that they might be tempted to lift it by that you don't want them to lift it by. If you can remove that stuff ahead of time, you'll reduce the weight and you'll make it much easier for them to push that around in whatever means they're going to use to do it. Um, but really, that's about it. I mean, there, there's probably a lot of things you can do, but half the time, these guys are just big, you know, scary, strong people who can, who can come in <laughs> and move just about anything.
0: You know, they're the kind of guys that you don't want to say bad things about no. when they move it.
1: Exactly. You go. Thank you for thank you for that scratch. I, I really do like it. Okay. Bye bye. Here's your tip.
0: <laughs> I
2: don't know. I mean, I don't know what branch of the military he's in, but he's got contacts. Just have a couple burly Marines just come and stand in the corner.
1: Hey, there you go. You know, armed or not,
2: I don't think it really matters. Is yeah. there such a thing as an unarmed Marine? I don't think so.
1: Uh, they have hands, so. Sure. Um, I think there's just sleeping Marines. Yeah. So, so either way, I'd I would say prepare with the obvious stuff, but don't go overboard because there's a lot of these things that there are strong enough to to maneuver without you removing, and you're gonna you know you're gonna just strain yourself just trying to take an extension wing off a off the table saw. So, um, but that is one area. Speaking of the, the table saw wing, that I would probably take down because um, it's easy. All right, so we have another question here from Todd. He says, I'm looking to artificially age American black cherry dinner table. I've considered using potassium dichromate or lye. I know there isn't there are inherent dangers in using substances like this, but the results seem to be superior to stains and dyes in achieving an aged look. Are the risks worth it? What are your opinions?" This is interesting because you know, I grew up, quote unquote, as a woodworker watching Woodworks and I watched David Marks take potassium dichromate and spread it around like it was a water-based dye. (laughs) Uh, yeah, Yeah, he used gloves, but no one mentioned that it was a carcinogenic chemical. You know, so there's all these guys on the internet going, I can't get this chemical company to send me potassium dichromate. And it's like, no kidding.
0: <laughs> like, Let me explain. Yeah,
1: and uh, so there are quite a few dangerous chemicals. He mentioned lye. If you put a basic solution on cherry, you will get a reaction that, that ages it, which is really nice looking. Um, and, and I'll admit they are beautiful, you know, what you get from it. But there are dyes and stains out there that will get you so close that in my personal opinion, I just don't think it's worth the risk. I mean, you could put ammonia fuming in that category as well. Um, I think there are just some, some really great solutions out there that you can use that don't put you at nearly the level of risk that these carcinogenic and toxic um, materials would. So for me personally, I don't bother. I don't know. Do you guys think it's worth it to go into toxic chemicals and carcinogenic materials?
0: No, no. No, not even close. No. I mean, with my family and where where we're located, I, I can't imagine my neighbors even appreciate <laughs> you know, having any appreciation for me doing this. I, yeah. I just don't see it. It's it's not enough for me to want to do it.
2: Yeah, I mean well, I done- and I think there's enough other products that not even just necessarily dyes, but I know a couple of um, period furniture makers in, in this area that mm. do use a lot of mahogany. And mahogany is one of those ones that David Marks was always rubbing potassium dichromate on right. to kind of give that dark look. And there are now companies that make, you know, products specifically for that effect that are all, you know, whatever, green, whatever you want to call it, unharmful, non carcinogenic, non caustic, all that stuff. So sure, I sure. think there's technology's one out in the end of this one.
1: Cool. All right, there you go. Shannon, you're up.
2: Uh, Let's see. This comes in from Ed. He says, several months ago, I found a small set of carving gouges at a flea market and purchased them. The problem is that some have been sharpened with a bevel on the convex side, while others have the bevel on the concave side. The convex side would be much easier to sharpen, but may not function as well. What is the proper side for the bevel on a carving gouge? Uh, The answer is yes. It is... (laughs) I mean, it, it... Backbent gouges are going to have the bevel in a different spot, um, but if we'll just talk about typical carving gouges, you know, the flute on the top, um, most people will tell you that the, quote, proper side will be on the convex side. Mm-hmm. so There should be no bevel in the flute of the gouge. However, there will be a lot of people, Mary May being one of them, that will have one or two gouges that do have a bevel inside that flute, because there will be times when you want to turn the gouge upside down so the flute is facing down. In other words, you're creating that. You can actually use it to create a curve um, by flipping it over and matching that. And when there is no bevel, your angle of attack has to be really, really low. But yeah. if you put a bevel in there, you can raise the tool up. Think in the terms of like a, a cranked neck gouge where it allows you to get your knuckles out, out of the way. Um, and you can work across surfaces. This is the same thing that happens here. However, once you commit to it, you're kind of committed for good, unless you want to grind back past that that back bevel. So you can get away with both. Um, you know, if, if you, you can't really interchange it, if you've got that bevel inside the flute and you flip it back to the, the convex side down, it changes your angle of attack, and you may end up having to Raise your hand up off the work, which becomes a little difficult to control the gouge. So it's not one of those things where, oh, I'll put a, a bevel on both, and then I'll have the best of both worlds. Generally, it's a it's a very specialized tool. One or two of the tools in your set will have that bevel inside the flute. The rest of them should be on the convex side. Sorry, that's the harder one to sharpen. <laughs>
1: cool.
2: <laughs> All right. Um, let's see. Got another one from Pug, and actually kind of similar. He says, I've started using the ruler ruler trick with my bevel down Lee Valley planes. And I quite like it. Can the same ruler trick be used on my bevel up planes. Um, yes, essentially this is the one thing. The ruler trick is used to create the tiniest, tiniest of micro bevels on the back or the flat side of the blade. What that essentially does. And David Charlesworth came up with this. It was kind of that last little way to ensure you've got a really sharp blade. Um, And you're not adding a back bevel or anything like that to the blade. You're, I mean, it's almost not visible. You're talking set it up on the ruler and make like two to three swipes across the stone and you're done. Mm. Um, So it's, and even if you were putting a back bevel on it, it doesn't really change the geometry here. All it really does on a bevel up plane is change a little bit of the clearance angle underneath the blade, which has... I don't want to say it has nothing to do, but it has little to do with how the plane cuts when it comes to high angle, low angle, etc. So, yeah, there's, there's no problem with it. it. It'll work just the same.
0: Cool. Nice. I'll have to remember that. All right. Well, hey, I got a couple of questions here, uh, actually from P- individuals have sent these in. The first one came in from Dustin, and this answer, well, I guess I should ask the question first for Dustin. Uh, <laughs> I'm starting to look at bigger machines for the shop, and we're comparing tools on Grizzly's site Two of the data fields are ISO 9001 Factory and CSA Certified. I vaguely know that these have to do with industry standards and quality control, but what exactly do they mean and should it be a determining factor when choosing a tool? So part of my reason for choosing this question this week is I know we've had some discussions in the past about uh, people often ask about Grizzly and I know that there was even a, uh, a topic at one point about like it depends on what day you you choose and I know we even addressed the, the whole rumor about there were two different factories and one was kind of not so good and the other one was uh, pretty darn good. So I figured this was a really good one, and I have a feeling that's where this question came from. Mm -hmm. I responded to Dustin, and I'm just going to do really kind of a a nutshell answer here in the sense that there's just way too much information out about both of these certification processes. Uh, I found this over at Wikipedia, which is funny because living in Michigan and living in the car industry, these names are thrown around like crazy. Like Everybody just knows what the ISO and CSA is. But anyway, so for Dustin anybody else wondering, the ISO 9000 family of standards is related to quality management systems and is designed to help organizations ensure that they meet the needs of customers and uh, other stakeholders while meeting statutory and regulatory requirements related to the product. CSA is very similar in that CSA international certification marks indicate that a product process or a service has been tested to a Canadian or U.S. standard and it meets the requirements of an applicable CSA standard or another recognized document used as a basis for certification. So in other words, it's a set of standards that manufacturers are willing to adapt themselves in order to get certified so that potential customers who would be coming to them to make products know that they are going to get a certain lever- level of quality from that manufacturer. One way to think about it is it's kind of like a star system associated with hotels. How so you have like a three-star hotel, a four-star hotel, five-star hotel. These kind of help the uh, people coming to have the things manufactured know that, yes, I can qu- count on them to a high quality uh, because they did pass this particular certification. Mm. So that should help out. And I know that's a really big issue for a lot of people that are are looking to purchase tools especially big-ticket tools, and we were saying, you know, like, well, since these are coming from overseas, can we really count on this, or is this going to be falling right into that typical kind of rumor that you hear about overseas manufacturers? So hopefully that will help answer any questions. And personally, myself, when it comes to determining the factor, like, is it something I want to purchase? I don't necessarily look at that and say, oh, it's ISO 9001 certified. I tend to ask my friends or I ask people yeah. online, what what's your you know experience with it? I, I think you will find uh, more honesty and you will actually find the tool you're looking for if you uh, talk with people who are like-minded. And we'll have this experience because sometimes there can be that one little glitch that it could be made in the best factory in the world, but they really didn't think about this one particular aspect of the design. So I, I trust my fellow woodworkers to help me figure mm-hmm. out which tools to go with versus just simply looking at the certifications. You know, I wish right. I would
1: have saved the email because we did get an email from someone who leveled a criticism at the concept of ISO 9001 um You know, way of doing quality control and that he said that basically it's a system that really just kind of regulates the record keeping Mm, to make sure that it's done at a certain level but it doesn't necessarily like it. I mean obviously if it's implemented right and the people give a crap it can be good but in some cases it's really just certifying that the paperwork is filed properly but doesn't necessarily say that the actual quality of the materials coming off the factory floor are any better than another place. Um so right. that's not my words. That's his <laughs> my words.
2: My kind of just cynic conspiracy theorist side of my personality is like, well, you know, you get audited to be ISO nine thousand certified, and it's like you you know when the auditor's coming.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's like
2: so you've got like three months to prepare, and yeah. you're right, it yeah. is mostly documentation. Um, this is actually the same thing with um FSC. Um, And you can actually, there's a lot of people that now say with both ISO and FSC, you can quote, buy your certification. (laughs) And there was such a huge press on, you know, you'll get more customers if you're ISO certified. You'll get more customers if you're FSC certified. So people started doing it left and right. And independent organizations sprung up in both certification schemes that can audit you and certify you. And those independent organizations like take a training class on how to do it and Um, it's, there's just so much that can happen that's like, well, does that really mean anything? So long and short of it is it would, I don't care (laughs) if it's ISO or whatever, that's not changing my opinion of the product.
0: Right. Yeah, we, we definitely talk with other individuals because as somebody who has done inspections in a certain particular field that I'm in, there are times that I've done the, uh, you knew we were coming three months ago. Why didn't you do this? <laughs> and, and,
1: and you know what? I think we finally found the one thing that I find more boring to talk about than sawtooth geometry. <laughs> frankly we'll keep that in mind because i think i could have just taken a five minute nap but
0: um <laughs> hey you know what we, we should get to completely zone out let's talk about iso let's do that iso 9001 <laughs> <All> right, yeah <laughs> hey uh, so we got time for one more question here uh yeah go soon? for it all right so this one's from damon and this is going to be something completely different hopefully this will keep you guys awake uh damon's saying hey guys i'm trying to cut small mortises Half inch long by one eighth inch wide by a half inch deep that will accept a piece of porcelain for a coffee making setup. My issue is clearing out the bottom of the mortise without rounding over or cutting into the top of the mortise. Any tips? The only thought I had was to use a plunge router with a small bit. So your first thought there, that that would definitely take care of the issue that you you're looking for, but you still would probably need to kind of remove a little bit of material, maybe square off those corners if if you need to, who knows, maybe the rounded-off corners would allow that piece of porcelain to fit in just a little bit nicer. Mm. Um, when it comes to – my my first question is always, does, does the bottom of the mortise really, really, truly, honestly have to be dead flat? I know that sounds like the typical Matt's just being a lazy woodworker. Lazy but Matt. sometimes I, I really wonder how – Dead flat does it have to be? Uh, I know at one point there was discussion about some people have, have the school of thought that it has to be an absolutely perfect fit. And then there's others, kind of like myself. I like to have a little wiggle room at the bottom of my mortise where maybe glue can accumulate or whatever else is going on in there. So I've got a little bit of, you know, uh, expansion room even potentially. Uh, but my advice for cleaning out the bottom is... Uh, you might think about one quick answer is a swan neck, a crank neck uh, chisel to kind of get in there and lever that out a little bit. Uh, With the the size of this mortise, I would almost think about just simply taking one of my chisels and very cautiously almost using it like a scraper and just kind of work the bottom a little bit and stay away from those edges if you're worried about rounding over the actual opening itself. Well, he
1: said plunge router and I don't see any reason on this wonderful planet of ours, (laughs) not to just use your damn router to do this. (laughs) Like it's such a small mortise and if you can get the small one-eighth inch uh, diameter bit, they do make them. Mm -hmm. I can't see if you do, I mean we don't know what this little porcelain part does, And maybe it's fragile and it needs to be fully seated on something. Otherwise it breaks or maybe it's connecting to something else. I don't know. But uh, I just don't see any reason if he has a router and he can do this, why you would not want to do this with just a powered router.
0: It, it is definitely one possibility, but I don't like going the easy route. I like to make things really complicated for myself and then go full circle and go, oh, I should have started here. Yeah,
1: like making a palm router dance on your bare hands. This is that your is a
0: lot of fun. Let me tell you something. You, get to, you have a great scar that you can tell your grandkids about. <laughs> Look,
1: mom, I can
2: juggle. I, I definitely would encourage him, would not encourage him to go buy another tool. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, unless you have one of those swan neck chisels and actually –
0: Sorry, Matt, I wouldn't even encourage using one of those. Well, just for just, the record, I don't have one because I don't think I need one either. <laughs> <laughs>
2: nice. the, I usually make all of my mortises ever so slightly deeper because of that whole hydraulic effect. If you've got a good enough fit, mm-hmm. you put glue and stuff in there and it wants to drive it apart. However, something like this, the only thing I would worry about making a little bit deeper is um, you, you, if you make it a little bit deeper, you probably want to like stick something down in there so that the porcelain doesn't slip below the surface because okay. then how do you get it out? You know, then you're kind of screwed. <laughs> it's, you're planing down the entire surface of your piece now to match your porcelain. So it is something that you have to be a little cautious there. Now, if you've got a, you know, a, a hammered in place type fit, you might be okay. But um, I wouldn't go too much deeper because that could be a problem.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I've done that accidentally with ebony plugs where you go just a little bit too deep and it goes <laughs> below the surface, and you're like, "Damn it!" <laughs> you know, what do I do now? <laughs> yeah, good stuff. All right. Well, thanks for that, Damon. I uh, just want to mention here that if you are an iTunes user, you can go and leave us a review, which we always appreciate. Uh, just go look us up in the iTunes store, look for Wood Talk, and click on Ratings and Reviews, and you can let Shannon know that you think hand tools are dumb. Mm,
0: <laughs> definitely. I would like to see You're that You're dumb. That would be fun. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> uh,
1: we'd like to thank Jim M. in Tennessee, Spiff Peters, and Matthew San Diego, who had this to say, Audio only means that I never get jealous of Mark's fancy tools and Shannon talking about resawing a 12 inch wide board by hand is much less vomit inducing than watching it would be. And there is no danger that I'll stumble upon Matt's horrible router meets finger video. Hey, I just mentioned that one.
0: Wow. Hmm, I wonder how that got in there. Uh, yeah, he said, thanks guys, it's great. Um, and, I wonder if Matthew is related to Carmen San Diego, and mm, if they've ever found her yet.
1: I don't know where in the world she is at this point, but uh, good question. Okay. Remember, today's show is sponsored by Festool at FestoolUSA.com, SawStop at SawStop.com, and Audible at Audible.com. And also remember that uh, free book AudiblePodcast.com/woodtalk, and you do that—that that really helps us out. By the way.
0: Yes, definitely. it's just
1: not for Audible's benefit it's also for ours uh, so go get your free book it's it's really cool I um, want to thank recurring donor Andrew S and everyone else who has a recurring donation set up uh, if you want to do that to help us out too you can go to woodtalkshow.com look in the left hand column and there's some links there for the recurring or one time donations if you want to help
0: out and how about you give them that
1: contact info Matt and we'll get the heck out of here
0: all right, folks. Hey, do you have a comment, a question, or a topic suggestion, or would you like to know where that link is so that you have to all this conversation about the uh, router on my hand? I'll <laughs> definitely tell you where that is, but you can have several different ways to contact us. You can leave us a voicemail on Skype. Our username is WoodTalkOnline. Call our voicemail line at 623-242-5180. Email us at WoodTalkOnline at gmail.com, or you can leave us a comment on our WoodTalk Facebook page. And you looking for the show notes or downloads from today's show or previous episodes you're going to find those over at woodtalkshow.com
1: very nice all right That's well cool yeah have a great week everybody we'll catch you next time yeah definitely see ya, see ya. all right this podcast is part of the Frog Pants studios network for more information about this and other shows visit frogpants.com audio program so good it's like you're there